This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Okay, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at these last several verses here. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for gathering us here. Thank You for giving us uh, time again to study Your Word. And Lord, um, please uh, direct us now. And grant that we may uh, hear, receive Your truth. And Lord, may it uh, be effective in our hearts to change us, conform us to the image of Christ for Your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, I'm going to start reading in verse 15. and um, Picking up the same thought, really, where we left off this morning. I pointed out this morning that uh, in this last section where Jesus is pretty much making application of all the things that He said, now He's, now he's you know, bringing it home, applying it to our, uh, to our lives. Um, and He's drawing these contrasts that He uh, presents here in several sets of twos, two roads that we talked about this morning, um, which really that consisted of two gates and two Two roads, um, two trees, which we're going to talk about in a moment here. Um, two, two claims, two different professions from people, and then finally two houses. Two roads, two trees, two claims, two houses. And we talked about the two roads this morning, so uh, we'll pick up here in verse um, 15 and finish out tonight. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at His teaching. For He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Um, There we have uh, the completion of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Boy, I've heard a lot of good preachers just in my time, but I've I've never heard one preach a sermon like this. Uh, and and won't. I mean, this it doesn't get any better than this. The Lord Himself, right? I mean, this this is a sermon in the truest sense. All right, two roads. We said two trees, two claims, and two houses. And and in all of this, um, what what I'm hoping to bring out here is what 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 is Jesus trying to drive home? Here, um, how, how do we how do we tie these things together? Well, as I said this morning, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he's 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 laid out these principles, these truths concerning the kingdom of God and concerning um, the heirs of the kingdom, Christians, believers. Um, we know much about the nature of the kingdom because he's he's revealed it to us in uh, teaching us concerning the characteristics of the kingdom. Heirs, it's uh, it's of another world, and kingdom heirs, the children of the kingdom. We are of another world. We talked a lot about that in the beginning. We we've got a different mindset, a different perspective. We we see things differently. We've got different desires. We've got different passions. We've got different pursuits uh, as a result of that. Different goals, different treasures. Our lives are. Different, different from the world. So, so this is one thing that's been going throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about living the reality of the kingdom. It's, it's not, it's not merely a, a club to join. You know, you get a hat and a shirt and maybe a matching jacket, and uh, you're in. You got a badge, you got a certificate, and you're good to go. That's not what it's about. This this is radical. It it affects you, and I mean that in the literal sense. The word radical means to the root. It it affects you to the very root of your being, so that you're changed. And that's what Jesus has been saying all the way through here. This is how kingdom people, kingdom heirs, live. This is how they look. This is how they act. This is what they want. This is what they go after. This is what they love. This is what they treasure. And now, again, as I said, he's, he's bringing this all home to a moment of decision for his hearers then and now for us to examine ourselves and to ask, is this me? Is this my life being described here? Well, let's go through some of this, uh, the, pick up on these other contrasts. This morning we talked about the two roads. One is the broad, uh, easy road, um, leads to destruction. Right? The gate is wide, the road is broad, 
the end, the destination is destruction. That's the easy one to get in. It's the easy one to go down. As a matter of fact, you can do nothing and make no decision and travel that road. But Jesus is saying His followers uh, go through the narrow gate. They take the narrow path, which leads to life. So He's still expounding on these same ideas. He's just using different Different means to uh, to illustrate essentially the same thing, and I, as I said, I hope to tie that together. But um, again, verse seven. Uh, I'm sorry, verse fifteen. Beware of false prophets. Now it may seem like okay. Well, he's changed the subject here. He's gone from talking about living the Christian life, you know, the radical life being changed, um, living in obedience and conformity to the Lord, and now he's just warning his followers: beware of false prophets. But let's. Go on to look and see what he says. It, 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 it seems as though, to me, in these next few verses, um, down through verse 20, 15 through 20, the emphasis is not so much on the prophet. In other words, he's not, he's not going into a, uh, so much a, a discourse here on how to recognize false prophets as opposed to, um, as opposed to true ones. Although he, although he mentions that, but it seems like, the, again, the real emphasis is on what is characteristic of those who believe and know the truth. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They're, they're disguised. They look like sheep. Um, I take that to mean they, they look like one of us. Could just mean that they, um, you know, they look... They look um, meek, mild, um, harmless. But since he so often uh, refers to us as his sheep and himself as pastor and so forth, um, shepherd, then uh, I take this to mean he's saying they, they look like one of us in many ways. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Remember what I said this morning. Going, those who go down the wide road, the, the broad path, um, take many forms. So some of them are, are blatantly anti-God. and Some of them are very subtle. And in Corinthians, Paul says that's no wonder, really. Um, they're serving Satan who comes as an angel of light. So why should we be shocked? And I'm paraphrasing, but why should we be shocked then that Satan's servants pose as ministers of light. Well, that's along the same lines of what Jesus is saying here. They are deceptive. They look like um, one of us. And again, as I said this morning, one form, uh, one one way in which people go down the the uh, wide through the wide gate and down the broad path is false religion or Morality. In other words, they, they, they look, especially the false religion, can sometimes look very orthodox. can be very, very, very deceptive. And much of what we're going through here, it would seem to me that uh, Jesus, some of it we know because He mentions them, but it would seem to me that Jesus has the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers in mind here. I think that's exactly what he's referring to. Be, beware of them. 
They come in sheep's clothing. They come professing to do God's work. They come professing to be teachers of God. They are posing as religious leaders. Beware. Because inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Well, what, what makes the difference? How do you know them from a, a real sheep? Well, that's what he goes on to explain. And again, he's, he's contrasting the true and the false, like we've talked about so many times. And uh, the, uh, the real effects, genuine effects of the kingdom versus um, the false. Verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. Now think about that. He, he oftentimes... We we uh, we know of uh, preachers or even organizations, denominations that are that are preaching heretical doctrine. Now that makes it easy, a lot of times. <laughs> and you and you can look at that and you can recognize it and you can say that's just wrong. And they're they're false teachers. It, at least in that sense. I mean, you know, we're, we're all wrong in some areas and. Uh, um, sometimes you, you may be pushing a little bit of heresy. doesn't make you a heretic necessarily. Um, but I'm talking about the more extreme. And sometimes they're blatantly obvious. Their doctrine is so off that you can recognize it. But here he's talking about something much more subtle and he doesn't say you will know them by their doctrine. Now that would be a true statement except again... That would be pretty much easy. He's warning here about those who take a more subtle form. And you can't know them by their doctrine because they say the right things. They're very convincing. In fact, some of them are very orthodox. And you can go down the list and talk about um, one way of salvation, the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the Trinity, you can go down the list and name doctrine after doctrine and they'll be right with you. I think those are the ones that fit more the description that he, he has here. Sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now, how am I going to know them? If their doctrine's right, how am I going to know them? Jesus says you'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. Now, he's, he's tying something together here that is all important for the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, what, what has he been saying all along? He's been talking about a, a life different from that of the world. He's been talking about a way of life, setting it, the, the, the life of the children of the kingdom, and setting it in contrast to Lost people. Children of the kingdom are poor in spirit. They're meek. They're peacemakers. And all of those things, like we talked about when we went through the Beatitudes, are the exact opposite of the way we naturally tend to be. The natural man is just the opposite. We're not poor in spirit. We're very proud. Pride manifests in different ways. And uh, frankly, uh, sometimes it manifests in the form of a, of a low self-esteem. Pride is just you know, self-centeredness. 
And someone with low self-esteem can be just as self-centered as someone with high self-esteem. A high self-esteem is not the answer. The answer is being Christ-centered. Getting your focus, your vision, your heart on Jesus Christ. So he's been making this contrast between the children of the kingdom and the world. People in Christ, people outside of Christ. Well, that's how he's saying now, that's how he's saying you can, you can identify false prophets. You'll know them by their fruits. Regardless of what they say, what do they do? Now, saying the right things is good. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, there's something more. There, there's an essential element. And, I, and underline the word essential. There's an essential element here that has to be present for someone to inherit eternal life. What is it? Obedience. Submission to Christ. There is no salvation apart from submission. Now here, he's talking about uh, false prophets who, who may, they appear as sheep, so I'm assuming they say the right things, they give lip service to the truth, to God's Word, but they don't do it. They don't do it. So every time the preacher, in this case Jesus, every time the preacher goes down uh, through the list, you know, thus saith the Lord, they're the first ones out there to say, Amen, brother. Preach it. Amen. Jesus says, Your righteousness, oh, it, it has to be the righteousness of God. You must be perfect as your Father is perfect. And they're saying, Amen. 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 But they're not doing it. And that's the contrast Jesus is making. And you'll know them by their fruits. Why? Because a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Verse 17, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And he says in one place uh, to his hearers, again, regarding the Pharisees, do what they say. They, they sit in Moses' seat, Jesus says. Now, I thought for the longest time that that was a, uh, a negative statement. In other words, he was saying they're, they're, they've taken authority on themselves and they, you know, set themselves up as Moses. That's a possibility, but I, the more I've considered that and looked at it, I don't think that's what he was saying. I, I think he was saying that they, they have some legitimate authority, or at least their teaching insofar as it was in line with the Word of God, was authoritative. So he told the people, they sit in Moses' seat, do what they say. But then what else did he say? Don't do what... Go ahead. No. Don't do what they do. Why not? Because their saying and their doing wasn't matching up. 
put it simply, like you know, we so often say it today, they, they weren't practicing what they were preaching. That's exactly what we're talking about here, isn't it? Remember uh, chapter 6, verse 1, when you uh, practice righteousness. And their practicing wasn't lining up with their preaching. And he's saying that's how you recognize it. No matter what the man on TV <laughs> claims to do or says he can do, You judge him by his fruits. What's, what, what kind of fruit is bearing in his life? And of course, that's every preacher, not just men on TV. But uh, no matter what I'm saying, what am I doing? Am I, am I merely giving lip service to God's will, to God's Word? Or am I living it? Pursuing the truth, not just preaching the truth. Pursuing holiness. And that's a question for every Christian to ask of themselves. What kind of fruit is my life bearing? Is it, it, I'm saying I'm a good tree. I'm saved. I'm not good because there's anything good in me. It's just an analogy. So, I'm, I'm, I'm a good tree because I'm, I'm professing salvation. But the question is, is, is there fruit there that bears testimony to my profession? Beware of false prophets, Jesus says. Specifically there, talking about teachers. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Uh, they'll eat you alive. They're, they're not looking to, or they're not interested in your well-being. They're interested in what they can get from you. And you'll know them by their fruits. And here's the principle again, verse 16, 17, 18. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Well, the obvious answer is no. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You know why that is? Because God is never fooled. I can fool other people. Other people can fool me. But God always knows our hearts. And again, this is a point Jesus has been making all the way through. Um, when, you, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, you, you do it with the awareness that God is watching. You don't do it for the praise of men, to be seen by men. Just do it in secret. Why? Because you know... The one who really counts sees. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you, He says. Two claims, verse 21. Driving home, really, what we've already touched on. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but He who does the will of my Father in 
heaven. Again, you may want to underline that. Jesus is saying specifically here, if you want to know who will enter in and who will not enter in, who will enter in? He who does the will of my Father in heaven. Remember uh, chapter 5, verse 20? For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. He's calling for a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees because theirs was not genuine. It was hypocritical. They were not doing God's will. And their fruits, the fruit of their life, bore testimony to that, even though their words said something else. They weren't doing God's will. That was the whole issue. They didn't truly know God. and Therefore, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't recognize Him. If they had known God, and if they had been doing the will of God, and really had a love for the will of God, they would have known Jesus and loved Jesus. So many, he says, will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Now, here's, here's a startling thing, because I'll tell you the truth. It's, it's somewhat easy to uh, <clears throat> stand up and talk about the Pharisees. <laughs> but for one thing, I don't know any, you know. I mean, they, they, they're long gone, the, the, the Pharisee... Uh, that, that system is long gone. And, uh, you know, I never sat under a Pharisee, learned from a Pharisee. I don't, I don't know any Pharisees. And we have so much negative information about them in the Scripture that they're they're easy target, right? And I, I think too often, um, if, if we're not careful, we'll just, we'll just kind of look at them as, as you know, just an example to not be instead of seeing ourself in them, which I think is often the case. Here's a startling thing to me. We've been talking about the Pharisees. Jesus has been talking about the Pharisees. But now, in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Now, this is one thing the Pharisees didn't do. They they profess to be servants of God and to be teachers of God and to know God's will and do God's will. And they weren't doing it, but they professed to do it. One thing they did not do was call Jesus Lord. I'm talking about, you know, generally speaking. There were some that did. But generally speaking, um, they rejected Christ. So he's not talking about the Pharisees. Like I say, this, this is kind of startling here. He says, there, there will be some who call me. They'll say unto me. Many will say to me in that day. He's talking about the judgment day. In, in the end, in the judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And it doesn't even stop at that. Listen to their testimony. Have we not prophesied in your name? They're saying, we, we've prophesied not just, again, not just as the Pharisees or or uh, claiming to be Old Testament saints or whatever, prophets. We've prophesied in Your name. We've accepted You as Messiah. We recognize Your Lordship. 
And we've prophesied in Your name. We've cast out demons in Your name. We've done many wonders in Your name. Now, I've said often, and I'll say it again tonight, I, I, I don't know which is the right answer here, but I've said often, uh, and I do think this is worth noting, uh, this, this was their testimony. In other words, Jesus didn't say this about them. They said it about themselves. However, <laughs> however, He doesn't say that it's not true either. I mean, I mean why didn't He just say, you, you never cast out a demon in My name. You never prophesied in My name. Why, why, doesn't, he, why doesn't He say that in, in response? You never did any wonders in My name. He doesn't make that the issue. He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, you know what? They were lying. And they never did any wonders. They never cast out any demons. They never prophesied in My name. He doesn't make that the issue. He leaves that open as if that's a possibility. Maybe they did. Maybe they did cast out demons in His name. Maybe they did prophesy in His name. Maybe they did do wonders and profess to do them under the power and anointing of Jesus Christ. Now that makes verse 23 all the more shocking if that's the case. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Listen, he's not talking about Pharisees here. They, they never made such a claim. He's talking about people who profess to follow Him. They are in sheep's clothing. Ravenous wolves. You say, man, this, this doesn't sound like ravenous wolves. They're, they're prophesying. They're casting out demons. They're doing wonders. They're ravenous wolves. Posing as followers of Christ. And Jesus says, I will say to them, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You know what that means? Damnation. Condemnation. Perish. Why? Especially if you leave open the possibility... That maybe they did perform wonders. Maybe they did prophesy and so forth. Especially if you leave that possibility open. But really, even if you don't, even if they were just claiming those things, but they had themselves convinced, and I think they had at least had themselves convinced, or they wouldn't be standing face to face with the Lord saying, this would be the one person that they wouldn't try to scam. They at least had themselves convinced. Why does Jesus say, I never knew you? Verse 23, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's the fruit. They weren't practicing righteousness. 
Now, they might have been putting on quite a show that looked like righteousness. They might have been performing wonders. They might have been prophesying and saying that they were prophesying in the name of Jesus. They might have been casting out demons in Jesus' name. I don't know. I can't answer that. Even if they weren't actually doing it, even if they were just deceived or tricking others, still seems like pretty good works to be involved in, doesn't it? Prophesying, casting out demons, doing, doing wonders, you know, just getting people excited and ginned up about the Lord and making them feel good. And Jesus says, you practice lawlessness. In other words, you're not doing the will of God. Here's the problem. No obedience, no submission to Christ. He's been, he's been telling, expounding on, uh, telling us and expounding on how the children of the kingdom practice righteousness as opposed to the Pharisees who were hypocrites, Jesus said. And your righteousness, Jesus said, must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Why? Because it's hypocritical. It's not genuine. It's not real. So your righteousness must exceed that or else you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he expounds on that, expounding on the law, taking us deeper than the letter of law. You know, you not only don't murder, but you don't hate anybody. You not only don't actually commit adultery, but you don't lust after a woman in your heart. You don't return evil for evil when you're persecuted. You bless Practicing righteousness. But these people were practicing lawlessness. See, that's the problem. There's, there's, there's no obedience to Christ. There's no submission to the king. And you can't be a kingdom heir unless you're submitted to the king. Now, if you're not convinced yet, let's go to the two houses. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine... See, that's the issue here. Hearing and doing. Not just hearing, but hearing and doing. Verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. What's the flip side of that? Verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, does not do them. In other words, they bear bad fruit. So the fact that they're a bad tree is manifest. Are they... Uh, as is the case with the uh, people who claim to be prophesying in His name, casting out demons in His name, they were practicing lawlessness instead of practicing righteousness. No obedience to the Lord. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended... The floods came and the winds blew 
and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Destruction. There's a way that seemeth right to a man, in thereof is death. There's, there's a road that seems right. <laughs> so it's a wide gate. It's easy to access. It's easy to travel on. It's broad. There's plenty of room. It's comfortable. The end is destruction. The rain descended. The floods came. The winds blew. The, the, the same scenario for each one. But one house stands, one house falls, and what makes the difference? Obedience to Christ. Submission. One heard, and here's another thing, as a matter of fact, they both heard His words. They both heard His words. They both heard the Gospel. And, and probably affirmed it. Because that's not the issue here. I mean, Jesus doesn't say, well, the, the one who, who heard and agreed, you know, and was said amen and was agreeable and thought it was good. The one who hears my preaching um, and my, my doctrine, my teaching, and says, boy, that's good. That's good stuff. Will enter into life. No, He says the one that does it. The doer. The one who hears and does. Their house will stand. They're, they're the good tree that bears the good fruit. They're the traveler on the narrow road because they entered the straight gate. They're in the house that stands. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished. At his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. The reason for that is because he has authority, all authority. Even, even those who didn't believe were, were taken back by that. Because when he expounded on the law, he said things like, You've heard it said, but I say. And put his saying on the same level as Scripture. <laughs> You've heard it said, but I say. He called them hypocrites to their face at times. And to those who were uh, in dire need, like the man who was lowered down before him through the roof, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And here in verse 24, when he begins to drive home the point of his sermon, he says, Therefore, whoever hears, whoever hears the writings of Moses, whoever hears the words of God, no. He says, although that's true, but that's not what he says, he says, whoever hears my sayings, my sayings. In other words, he's calling for absolute submission to his authority. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you hear a preacher do that, get away from him. I don't care if it's me. Get, well, I mean, I care if it's me, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Even if it's me, 
uh, either put me out the door or you get out of the door, one or the other. Get, get away from somebody that talks that way. And that's what a lot of them were thinking, uh, honestly. But in this case, it was real. He has that kind of authority. And they were astonished at his teaching. They could tell he was teaching with authority. Now the question is, do we submit to his authority? Is his authority genuine? Can, can, I, can I reject him? Well, of course you can. But the problem is, if he's real, if, he, if, he, if he's right in what he says, if he is who he says he is, then... You've got a real problem if you reject Him. Is His authority genuine? When He says, those who hear and do My sayings will be wise men. When He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through Me. Immediately, just like I was talking about this morning, you're faced with a decision. You've got to decide. And you can't escape it. You can't escape it. You can try to run from it. But Jesus already said what He said, and and nobody can take that back. So you're faced with a decision. Do I believe Him and submit to Him? Or do I try to call His bluff? Professing Christians, same decision. There will be many in that day, he says, who say to me, Lord, Lord. Let me tell you, that's a scary thought. That's a horrible thought. There are going to be many, the Lord says, many who say, Lord, Lord, wait a minute. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We, we did many wonders in your name. And his response is, I never knew you. So again, we're faced with a decision. Professing Christians, you're faced with a decision. Do you just profess or do you submit wholeheartedly? Do you just render lip service or wholehearted devotion? Is He the King or is He not? Is His authority genuine? There was a little discussion going on on Facebook one day and uh, somebody who I knew wasn't a believer had, had written something um, trying to make a political point. It was one of those, what would Jesus do in that situation? You know, coming from somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus anyway, <clears throat> that rejects Him. But they're trying to put us in the spot. You know what I'm saying? We don't agree with your opinion. And by the way, you ought to... Uh, and they weren't talking to me. They were talking to somebody else that I knew. But but they were. They, that's the kind of thing they were trying to convey. Um, you know, we don't think your opinion is in line with Jesus. And you need to think about... Jesus wouldn't do that, would He? And so I put up a little note up there in response to him and said, um, I'm just curious why you brought Jesus into the conversation. Does his teaching, is his teaching authoritative? I never got a response. It is. 
It is. It's authoritative. One essential element to being heir to the kingdom is submission to the king. Not just hearing his words and saying, boy, that's good stuff, but doing his words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for Your Word. And Lord, uh, just as we talked about going through the Sermon on the Mount, everything we look at here, we know in and of ourselves, um, there's no hope of us doing any of it. If, if this is the standard, which it is, and if it depends totally on us to do it, then we're still doomed. But, You've instructed us, um, trust You, come to Christ in faith, trusting in His sacrifice for our sins and His life of obedience for our righteousness. And even instructed us to look to You for power to do righteousness. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And You've promised to give Your children the Holy Spirit. Lord, enable us, we pray, to live day by day the reality of the kingdom for Your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.